Welcome back in to David O. Gray, Off Code and Unscripted. We've got one thing for you today. We're going to do a recap. We're um, going really more like a part two of the video I made about there being CIA plants within the Catholic Church. In particular, there being CIA plants placed within Catholic social media to undermine the faith. This is a good time to do a part two of that video because of what recently happened in the Archdiocese in New York at St. Patrick's Cathedral with the Skittles, the, the desecration, the sacrilege that they were involved with there. We have to answer the question, why is it? Whether it's at St. Patrick's Cathedral, whether it's in the Archdiocese in New York with uh, uh, Skittle there, Lori Lightfoot receiving Holy Communion, whether it's with Catholic charities down the southern border, everything they're doing to destroy this country. Why is it that there always is seen, there always seems to be people placed at strategic positions, sometimes to do, sometimes failing to do the right thing? We need to talk about that. Um, and, and I, you know, when, when it comes to like answering the question, I think Occam's razor is a good thing for us to pay attention to. Occam's Razor is saying that sometimes <laughs> that the most likely answer is the answer. And from my perspective, what I'm talking about here, they're being plants, whether it's the CIA, whether it's other organizations, they're being plants and there's operations within the Catholic Church to undermine the faith, to... Um, to present these these systems of doubt to cause people to question what is true. The same thing that happened at the Garden of Eden. Is, did God really say that? It's the same systems of doubt that's been around since the beginning that we see more prevalent today. So we need to talk about that. So we're going to talk about one of the things that um, in the last video, I think there were a lot of people who didn't really get it. All right. And I think that's my fault as an educator. If people aren't getting it, that's on me. Perhaps I didn't set the whole thing up right. I think I went in with just assuming people knew what a plant was, assuming people knew what ops were. Some people didn't. This is the first time hearing about this. So some people cannot understand, well, how could a person who appears to be a great traditional faithful Catholic, how could that person be a plant and someone like James Martin being a plant? How could that be true? Okay. And so what I didn't set up, I didn't explain um, enough or maybe not at all, was that people who are chosen or groomed as plants actually believe in the thing. That's why they're chosen. These are ideologues. They believe they, they'll die on a hill. These are the people that are groomed. These are the people that are planted. These people just don't know. Sometimes they're ignorant of the fact that what they're doing, um, that it is a participation in the objective of the op. Okay. It's sort of like terrorist cells. You can have independent cells operating in different places. No cell knows what the other one is doing, but each cell is participating in, in their own way, in the mission of the entire operation. So I think one of the best ways I can explain this to you, and we're going to get into that, is called the principle or the idea of the double-headed eagle, something that I learned when I was a Freemason. Now, you know, for over 10 years, I've been speaking about Freemasonry, my experience about Freemasonry. 
uh, writing books, doing master classes, video after video about why Catholics cannot be Freemasons. So, you know, one thing I've never done was explain something to you from Freemasonry, something I learned from Freemasonry as if it were true. I'm going to do that today. Um, just because I think it's probably the best way I know to explain something to you. Again, that's the idea or the principle of the double headed eagle. So we're going to get into that. And then some of you in that video, in the comment section, were saying, well, David, maybe your plants. How come maybe we don't know if your plants or not? And when people, you know, suggest that to me, oftentimes say, oh, look, every sentence you will ever hear me say that begins with the two words, the Jews, 100% of the time is negatively. All right. And that's one thing that you, you know a person is a Secret Service plant, particularly, I'm sorry, a CIA plant. One thing they don't do is speak negatively about the Jews. Right? That's like calling um, e. Michael Jones a plant or Kanye West a plant. Plants don't speak negatively about the Jews, but I have nothing positive to say about the Ashkenaki Jews. Right. Only thing like make God have mercy on them, <laughs> right? That that's the only thing positive. I, if that's positive, um, that, that I have to say. So, but I, I you know I say that in jest a little bit. But we're gonna talk about that because I really again I didn't set the video up correctly. Um, I didn't talk about my experience being groomed or um, looked at as a plant by communists in college. A weird encounter interview that I had with the FBI and later on, you know, the grooming that experience as a Freemason. So we're going to talk about how do I know these things from my personal experience? I know a lot about these systems of, of doubt and, and plans and ops. And then the third thing we're going to talk about is a lot of you had questions in the comment section about, well, what about this person? What about that person? You want to be the based upon the criteria that I put forth is are they a plant or not? You know, you're asking about Matt Frad, Ryan Holdsworth, you know, people like this. Are they, are they not? So we're going to talk about that. We're going to get, we're going to use the same criteria. So if you have not watched the previous video, you probably should before you get into this one, because I'm not going to go over a lot of things that I talked about in that video. Um, but in this video is really for follow-up to the previous one. So I'm not even going to start the clock. I have some notes here. This is unscripted. I just have some notes here that I, I need to get through. So, but just looking at them, <laughs> I know it's going to be longer than 10 minutes, but let's go ahead and get into it. Now, this is David O'Grey show off code unscripted. All right. So the double headed Eagle, now, the double-headed eagle is something you've probably seen throughout history. If you study Western civilization, you've seen the Roman Empire use it. You've seen the Byzantine Empire use it. You've seen the Prussians use it. You may be familiar with it when it comes to the ancient Aseptic Scottish Rites in the 32nd and the 33rd degree. You may even be more familiar with if you studied the subject a little bit. You may have noticed that the northern jurisdiction, the wings are down. The southern jurisdiction, the wings are up. And most people, countries, or jurisdictions around the world who are using the Scottish Rite, most of them are using the Southern Jurisdiction version of um, the, their, their order of degrees in their system. So they always have the eagle with the wings up. Okay, so this is what we're talking about. We're going to talk about not so much about the Scottish Rite or um, the Masonic Orders or Freemasonry. And again, I have to throw this in there. 
as oftentimes do, because I just recently heard Church Militant, one of the news broadcasts, talking about it when there was something about some cardinal or archbishop meeting with some Freemasons, right? Um, and they said, oh, they're Freemasonic. They're, again, people, there's no such word as Freemasonic. Please stop. Anytime we use that word, Freemasons laugh, and it, it discredits us, saying we know, it proves that we don't know what we're talking about when we use Freemasonic. Yet you don't. There's Freemasonry. There's Masonic orders. You don't combine the two words. That's not how words work. Okay. But yeah, and you know, anytime, like I said in a previous video, anytime someone, you know, these ruses come up, these these red herrings or these Oklahoma shuffles, when people make you look this way so that you don't see what's going on over here. I think Freemasonry is one of those. I, I fundamentally believe that whenever you hear, hear someone come along and, and talk about the boogeyman Freemasonry and causing people to be scared about the Freemasons who haven't been relevant since the communists, um, it, it's, it's to take your eyes off the ball. Right? And that's what it is. So I, I really don't, again, it just happened with that meeting. Right? But it's a good point, though. I think it's a good topic. To, I think it's something good to bring up. Because it's again, I think that's really the double-headed eagle. Like, how can Pope Francis just recently say Catholics cannot be Freemasons to the um, the bishops in the Philippines reaffirming church teaching, but over here you have this Archbishop meeting with Freemasons? How can both of these things be happening? Right? That's a great example of the double-headed eagle, and I'll come back to that. But about the principle itself and how. The Scottish Rite is using the double-headed eagle. In Catholicism, signs and symbols point to a work that is being done by Jesus Christ. That's what signs and symbols point to. Whether it's the water at baptism, whether it's the, the chrism oil, these signs and these symbols that's related to the sacraments point to a work that is being done by God. Okay. That's different than how signs and symbols are used in Freemasonry and throughout the Masonic orders. In these systems, signs and symbols, whether it's a square and compass or a double-headed eagle, the signs point to a work that is being done or being or being done by man or man is being called to do. So these are two fundamental two things that are really antithetical to one another. One system of signs and symbols point to work that, that is being done by God. The other system has points to has signs and symbols that are pointing to works that are being done by man. Now. If you're a Freemason and this is your first time, you know, you haven't been a Freemason for a while, maybe you have been for a while, I may have just blown your mind, right? Because you didn't really know what signs and symbols are for. But that's, that's the case. That's true. And if you're a Catholic hearing this, I hope you understand the distinction and how powerful that is. That in Freemasonry, the signs and symbols point to offensive works that are being done by man to um, bring about a system of disruption, disrupting um, the moral authority of the Catholic Church to 
ushering a new age, a, a new world order, a new moral order um, that replaces and supplants Catholicism. And this is the work that had, had been done by Freemasons quite magnificently. Uh, the work of creating public schools, the work of creating a system where the government is in charge of, you know, the, the Masonic idea, Pope Lee always blamed, and other popes always blamed Freemasons for this idea of separation of church and state. Because they knew if the church was separated um, from the state, one, the church no, no longer had protection, the church could be easily attacked, but also the state can be used to attack the church, and people begin to look at the government as their object of worship. Okay, so the government comes in and they start um, creating weird things such as um, funeral homes. You can be buried outside the church. These ideas of state weddings, the state decides whether, you know, who's married, who's divorced. Again, public education. So, um, so the idea that was promoted by Freemasons of separation of church and state, it, again, it, it points to the work that was being done by man as an offensive work against the church. And the way this was accomplished was through the principle of the double-headed eagle. That, that the eagle looks both ways, which means it has two lines of attack, both offensive. And so this is why, you know, people ask the question, you know, people who are kind of novices to the subject of Freemasons, they would say, oh, Freemasons, they fought in the revolution. They were in a, this revolution and that revolution, 1848 revolution, the, the American revolution. The fact of the matter is that Freemasons are always on both sides of the revolution, whether it's the American Revolution, the Civil War, whatever. They're always on both sides of the revolution because it's the double-headed eagle. Both groups, both sides, both heads of the eagle accomplish the goal um, that is uh, really to unify the body of the eagle, right? The eagle has one body, two heads. So it has one goal, one operation, but accomplishes it in two different ways. So this is why, you know, we can look at Freemasonry and say, well, there's the Anglo and there's the, you know, principally the England, Ireland, Scotland, and then there's the continental Freemasons, the France, the Italy, the Grand Orient. They seem to have two different strategies, right? One is more interested in the law itself. Um, that would be the, the Anglo, you know, writing America's constitution and things like that and leveraging that to um, undermine uh, Christianity and the faith and Catholic church. And then there's the continentals that's, you know, they'll kidnap a Pope, right? You have people like Mario, Giuseppe, and just, just this outright seems to be more in your face. Some of the things that, St. Maximilian Kobe saw flags waving, you know, uh, Freemasons putting up monuments in the streets, right? This, it's the double-headed eagle. The goal is to promote indifferentism, is to, again, to uh, usher in the age of a new moral order in the world. And this is accomplished by the eagle looking two different ways. So two different um, operations that... Um, are that um, that that serve that accomplish the same purpose that the body it intends it um, intends them to do, right? So you have these competing directions, right? Um, and then we can even look at the principle of double-headed ego. We could say, well, uh, in a northern jurisdiction, 
all right, which I used to belong to, the eagle had his wings down. Now, in a southern jurisdiction, the wings are up. Why is this? All right. um, are these two different eagles? Absolutely. One eagle is meant to die. One eagle is meant to sacrifice for the goal. Right? The other eagle, he'll fly above the fray. And he'll survive. Right. So this this is just a an ideology. It's a philosophy, and it's also a principle. But again, as a symbol, the double-headed eagle is it points to the work of man being done, the work that the that the the mason is being called to do. Okay. So that's the principle of the double-headed eagle, and how I think it. Um, relates to how is it that plants, you can have a plant of the CIA or some other secret service who actually believes in the thing that they're doing. They could be even a traditional faithful Catholic. And they could be planted, they could be groomed as an op to, um, to accomplish the goal of weakening the papacy, cause people to doubt what is true, cause people to leave the faith. But the principle overall is really just to weaken the Vatican, weaken the papacy. Because the Pope is the most dangerous leader in the world. The Vatican is the most powerful state in the world. Um, but also how you can have, on the other side, you can have someone who we call complete leftist, someone who's completely liberal, um, but who some like maybe like James Martin, who actually believes in what they are doing, will will die for it. The double-headed eagle. Both of these groups, both of them, in in their own way, whether it's promoting the scandals of the papacy, or whether it is, um, we would say on this side, pouring flames on the scandals of the papacy, or this group putting ice on the scandals of the papacy, and then the papacy itself. Um, putting someone in there who's going to create scandal. Um, all these things work together to accomplish the goal of weakening the faith, to um, to cause people to doubt their faith, and cause people to look more to a government to solve their problems than a church in Christ Jesus. So, so this is what happens. You have a weak papacy that that sins, that causes doubts. And we have, you know, we, we say trads for now. We say, well, trads pour um, gas on the scandals and leftists pour ice on them, like I said. This all creates division. It creates weaknesses. Uh, one thing I, we're related to, right? If you look in America... You largely see one, uh, well, I, I think there's an illusion. We can start with the illusion of there being, you know, two parties, a two-party system. Right? I think that's largely true. We could say except in perhaps maybe uh, the culturally black Americans that you find in the cities throughout America, especially with culturally black women. For them, there's only one party. And that's, there's only been one party for a long time, ever since... The Marxists came with the civil rights movements, people like Martin Luther King Jr. and um, his comrades in the march towards Marxism. Um, ever since then, blacks have been, you know, the, the, some people point to it as being a communist operation. 
and Martin Luther King and, and Junior and the people he had in his in his operation were known communists and um, they were being funded by communists and, uh, and people like John F. Kennedy and Robert Kennedy told Martin Luther King that you know these people were you know plants that they were they were running a Marxist op you know and, and you know um, Martin Luther King didn't want to get rid of them. But you know, so, so but you know, ever since that time, you know, the culturally black Americans have been under the totalitarian rule of the communists. It, it was a, it's a, a, one of the most successful operations in the history of the world, um, um, creating in um, the culturally black Americans of uh, uh, people that are completely um, loyal to one party. And that, that are dominated by it. Only thing the Marxists had to do from that point is really take over the Democratic Party, right? And that, that's that's what's been done. So, in culturally black America, you you just have one party, but and everyone knows that the Democrats, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a complete rule of one group of people that we never we don't see anything else like this in the world. It's quite amazing. But for the rest of America, I think there's an illusion of there being a two party system. But for those who who see things more clearly, right, we see clearly there's just one uniparty. And what we see is the double-headed eagle. We see one eagle, we could call it the head of a Democrat, the other eagle, the head of a Republican. They seem to be competing, looking two different ways, but they're not. One seems, oh, we're pro-life, we're, we're against abortion, lie. <laughs> Right, we, we know that more now than ever. The other one seems to be they don't care about anything, right? They seem to be and what's going on? You know, you throw the media in there, right? They they all they're doing is creating to this system of doubt, right? And they're causing division, they're causing strife. And and what's going on is that they're really tearing down the system of trust, really, to usher in a new a new thing. Right? So once they destroy this thing, this this idea that um, uh, this ruse that's in place that you can go to the ballot booth and change your life, right? Once that whole thing is destroyed, once you no longer believe in that, a whole new thing is going to come to dominate everyone, right? So this is the again the principle of the double-headed eagle and you know you look at someone like trump donald trump um who is a disruption to the double-headed eagle right now i'm not saying you know you you, you have democrats who who are always pointing to the communists or Russia and saying oh this person is a russian plant this russian this person is working for putin i'm not saying they're wrong <laughs> You know, sometimes they, they may be, you know, they're pointing to Tucker Carlson or Trump or something like that. But um, just like they, 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 you know, the Democrats let Martin Luther King Jr. know who, who the communists were in, in this group. I think I think sometimes Democrats do know. But what I'm saying at this point in time, sometimes the enemy of my enemy is a better option for me. Okay, but there, there's always plans. There's always Secret Service operations always running throughout the world. No, nothing happens that's, that's not engineered 
in this world on that level, right? We can call these people populists, um, but it's all engineered. I thought, thought it was amazing, you know, the principle of double-headed eagle. I always thought it was amazing, again, going back to Martin Luther King Jr., how you had the Marxists and the Skittles um, working together to destroy the black American community through civil rights, right? I thought that was, I thought that, I thought that was again one of the most amazing things that you can never point to in recent history. How the double-headed eagle um, works so fast and so swiftly to create this this group of people in the United States that are completely dominated by one group. Uh, one head of the eagle was, uh, you know, being run by, being operated by blacks, um, being, uh, people like Martin Luther King, telling them, oh, yeah, Martin Luther King Jr. and those people like that, and, and Thurgood Marshall saying, oh, you got to depend on the government to be your savior. Government is the answer. Welfare from the government is the answer. Um Integrating your, your school so your children can be, be taught um, by the same people who were telling you that you're a victim of. That's the answer. All right? That's one-headed eagle. Then the other-headed eagle is systematically uh, creating systems of oppression of these people. Systematically creating systems of oppression for these people. And so these two heads of eagle work together magnificently to create a, um, a, 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 a people that is so loyal to one group, right? And so we knew it was both people, both saying that we can save you and we're going to kill you because well, we, we know who the Democrats are. They were always the same people, yet they were able to play both sides of the coin. Again, that's the principle of the double-headed eagle. So my experience on, on this subject of being groomed to be a plant or running an op. I think there are three encounters I had, but I think there's some evidence there. And I'll briefly talk about them. One, when, when I was in college, I was a sophomore. I was becoming a Freemason at this time. And the group of men who were in what was called a class of with me, we had to start a, you know, we decided to start a group because we had to do some activities, you know, community service activities. We had to raise money and things like that. And so we asked um, in, in, on campus, um, you had to have an organization to rent out spaces and things like that. So we started this organization and we decided to call it. Some of us want to be, it'd be called straight up. <laughs> You know, there another group of us wanted another name, uh, so we combined the names. It was called Straight Up Progressive African Men's Society. So some people in the group they were doing the fundraisers, you know, the selling food and you know car washes and stuff like that. The other, the other group of us, we were doing things that I guess were progressive at that time. I didn't know I was progressive at that time, but I guess that's you know. I wouldn't even know what a progressive was back then. 
But we were doing things on campus that I guess we consider progressive. We were handing out flyers. We were doing informational sessions. We were holding lectures on, on black history and, and things like that. So I was largely the leader of it. I was the one that was most aggressive organizing and, and things like this. So uh, one of, a couple of the professors at the university, their history professors, you know, took notice of the things that we were doing, some of the activities and that we were promoting on campus. And so they had a meeting with me. They said, hey, come to the office. We want to talk to you. And so I didn't know what this was about. And so they started talking to me about um, how happy they, you know, uh, what they see me doing and they want to support me. And if there's anything they could do to help me, um, let them know. And so it was, it was that type of conversation, right? They were kind of like feeling me out, but also let me know that, you know, hey, you know, we're there. Hindsight, looking back now, knowing who these people are, knowing what type of university I went to, these these men were clearly Marxists. They were clearly communists. And it felt a little bit like the meeting of people who um, saw Martin Luther King, right? And people like Bernard Rustin, these people who saw Martin Luther King. And they said, this is our guy, right? They saw some people who was someone who they could use and leverage. So again, the idea of a plant is someone who already believes in something. So they're not being groomed to believe in something. They already believe in something. And what um, they're, they're being called into the up for or what they're being leveraged for as a, as a plant to be put somewhere is to continue to do what they're doing. Because um, the people that's running up say, oh, this person, what he's doing can contribute to the mission of the whole. Whether what side of the head of the ego it is, they can contribute to that. All right. So that that's one thing I took notice of, you know, in hindsight. Man, I was these professors were keeping their eye on me, always checking in with me to see, hey, maybe, you know, um, um, and I, that didn't pan out, I, you know, for some reason I'll speak about it in a second. And then around that same time, I think after I became a Freemason, I was called into um, the career office for an interview, an interview I didn't sign up for, in an interview where I was the only person being interviewed. There was no one before me. There was no one after me. It was with the FBI. So there was this older gentleman in there. He just sat there really confident with his legs crossed, you know, to the side, you know, just looking at me. No notes or anything like that, which is weird, right? And so, you know, just, just speaking with me. And then this so-called interview ended with him um, sliding me something. It was some information or something about some sort of internship, right? And he thinks I'd be a really good candidate. He tells me, well, you know, your grades aren't really what everyone else's are, but um, I think you have really have what we're looking for, right? Um, yeah, looking back now at that encounter, I just think it was so strange. The 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 person himself. I was the only one there. I was the only one being interviewed at this university with plenty of people. Um, so yeah, again, I didn't follow up with with that one either. Right. And then, of course, you know, you, you've you've been around, you've, you've probably heard me talk about my experience in Freemasonry, how quite early on I was identified as someone who could be um, someone who fits, right? I fit the profile, I became a fast mover, 
people took a hold of me and just moved me up to different ranks and different degrees. And, you know, I'm, I began up being the youngest worship master of the lodge, the, the youngest district deputy. I, I was just on a fast track to become um, what some people would say, oh, you know, there's just people were just searching. Oh, Dave is going to be a grand something one day. Right. My 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 plan was to become a grandmaster, but people had higher goals for me. Um, and it is, and and I want, and I wanted to be groomed, you know, for that, um, and whatever they wanted me to do. My problem, though, I think, and I and I hit it well when I was a Freemason from people, but um, plants and ops. What they look for are people who, let's say, the Myers Briggs. The Myers Briggs, uh, if you ever taken it, the Myers Briggs has um, it has four categories, right? You're either extrovert or introvert. You're either a sensing person or you have intuition. If you're sensing, you're you're a person who you're focused on concrete details. You're practical. You're 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 focused on the present moment. You know, you, if you live by intuition, you're you're imaginative, like theologians are. You're future oriented. You see patterns and possibility, right? You probably know, you know, I'm an eye just by saying that. Then there's the category you're either thinking or you're feeling. Thinkers make decisions based on logic, reason, objective analysis, and principles. But fillers, they're they're more into the emotions. They they really believe in values. They're really principled people. Um, they want harmony. And then there's the last category of either judger or your perceiver. Judges prefer judge people who have the judge um, you know, criteria in that category. They prefer structure. They prefer prefer planning. They prefer closure. Right? Perceivers are more adaptable. They're spontaneous. Right? They they can kind of do whatever. Right? They're open to the new experience. For people who are being looked at for it to be plants or to run ops. For the secret service, these people definitely, um, ideally, they need to be it in um, a E. Um, they need to be an extrovert. They need to be sensing. They need to be feeling, and they need to be perceiving. They need to be a E um, S F P E S F P. That that's your ideal Myers Briggs score for. Uh, an amazing plant for somebody to run an op, right? Things that will eliminate you, like they eliminated me, were um, thinkers. <laughs> you know, people who have makes decisions based upon reason and logic, not a whole lot of feeling, and also people who um, are judges. They tend to be moral, right? They like structure, um, so they're they're they tend to be eliminated as well as well as people who are imaginative <laughs> they're eliminated introverts like myself they're largely eliminated as well there's some flexibility there but there's i had no score on the myers briggs that will really make me adaptable to being a successful secret service plant or running an op especially the the, the t and the j i was eliminated from the onset. So now I, I don't, I have some experience. That's why I know a lot of things. Um, some of the things I mentioned and some others about how this whole thing runs, but I was never the, um, never a good candidate for to those things. And in Freemasonry, when I was a Freemason, I was really just submarining until I became a grandmaster. And I, I think I submarine really well 
rose really high at running in a submarine. Um, but um, outside of that, in these things where they're filling you out, they're interviewing you, you know, to see if you fit. Um, no, I, I eliminated myself just because I, I don't have the characteristics. Now, for some of the names you guys had asked me, you know, you asked me about um, Matt Fred, you asked me about Trent Horn, Father Mike Schmidt, the Papal Posse over on Raymond Royal show. You asked me about Brian Holdsworth. You asked me about Jimmy Aiken, Father Charles Moore, and the guys on the RTF rundown. All right. So let's run through those. So let me remind you my criteria of determining whether someone is a CIA or Secret Service op or not. One, I'm looking at their background. How did they come to be? Was it organic or did they buy their way into our notice? Do they tend to be off code and unscripted? Again, we can relate this to the Myers Brig. Are they <clears throat> are the people who are thinking, are they feeling, are they judging, are they perceiving? We can do it more like that. That's what I was talking about when I'm talking about off code and scripts, right? People who follow the script are people who fit the Myers Brig, the ESFP, um, right? Um, people who um, who just speak the truth, who don't care about camps, who don't care about cults, who don't care about people and subbing from you. <laughs> you know, those are uh, people who could not be a, a, a plants. But people who are always saying what you want them to say and tickling your ears and affirming you and validating you and your fears um, to keep you divided and all that stuff, those are the people who are on code, on script. They just, it's just rinse, repeat everything they do um the third criteria was the network they're associated with right are they already associated with a ca op like either atn like like um, you like united states conference of catholic bishops like catholic charities again are they divisive are they do they seem to be promoting the, the idea of the double-headed eagle right the double-headed eagle just wants to uh, weaken the papacy right and do things that are divisive so that they can create this new world of moral order, right? That's greater than um, what Christ and his church is offering. So, and, and, you know, my scores are one, very unlikely, two, likely, three, very likely. So let's run them down real quick. I'm going to put Matt Brad at somewhere around a two, I want to say 1.5. Um, he is associated with a university that I once attended, Steubenville, Franciscan Steubenville, um, uh, Franciscan University of Steubenville, or Steubenville Franciscan, whatever it's called, I forget. Um, he's associated with that, right? Um, it seems to be a place that is continuing to get weaker and weaker. There's some sort of operation that's going, going there to weaken it. So he is associated with that. Um, there is, you know, when um, some years ago, you know, people had always been trying to get me on these TV shows, whether it's like Journey Home or this Matt Frad show. You guys, you know, the people who like me say, oh, you know, EWTN, you know, you got to have David on Journey Home or, or Matt Frag. A lot of people had tried to get, get me on certain shows. Not that I asked for it. You guys thought I had something to say and say, hey, you should have, you know, like you guys come to me and say, hey, you should interview this person. You know, I guess this is what happens. Um, so there are people who were trying to get me on Matt Frad for whatever reason. And Matt Fred was dogmatically know about it. So I've always been suspicious about that. Again, my one of my rules is that um, CIA ops and plants, they do not have people like me on their program. All right, I'm too free. 
Right? So I've always been suspicious, but you know, my gut is really telling me about Matt Fred that I think he's a genuine dude. Um, we may not always agree with him, but I kind of see a guy, you know, the silly cigar thing is silly to me. It's, it's a meme. You know, there's something I just don't, is, I think it's weird, but he seems to me to be a dude who, um, seems to be, he wants to have a pure heart, I think, right? He seems to be a guy that's interested in Beatitudes. I see him trying, I see him efforting, right? So I'm going to rank him low. I think he's just, you know, I think he's, he probably, he's probably a good guy. Um, Trent Horn, yeah, he works for a CIA op, Catholic Answers, right? We can throw Jimmy Aiken in there with that as well. I don't think I'll rank them low as well. Probably right, right around. I got Matt Fred at one point five two. Um, so I don't think they're ops. I mean, I think I don't think they're plants, but maybe, but I do think they work for ops. Uh, Father Mike Schmidt. I'm gonna put him. He works for what is probably being leveraged as an op, right? Our Sunday visitor, maybe. But I have them low. Um, I don't have them anywhere as high as EWTN. I have EWTN probably at a 10. So I have our Sunday visitor, or Ascension Press, rather, whoever works, one of the same thing to me. I have them, you know, mid-grade, likely. So he may be someone who works for a likely op, but he's less likely to be a plant than they are. The Papal Posse on EWTN and op with Raymond Royal, plant, you know, he appears out of nowhere. He's, you know, he's 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 plants all day. He works for two plants, EWTN and Fox News. He's he's a, a planter's plant, right? Um, you know, he's all over the Myers Briggs, right? I, I will score him all these. He's he's ESFP all day, right? Um, and so they're with him. You know, I think the priest there, forget his name. I, I can't. I'm not even going to go there, right? He says he's some Gerald Murray or something like that. He says the dumbest things. If anyone's a plant, it's him, right? Um, who's other than the papal posse? Uh, who appears there? Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. I, I don't think he's. Maybe. I'm going to rank all those guys above two, all right? Everyone's above two. Um, They're over likely. Just because they're close association with a plant. And because they're closely associated with the plants, which means they've been groomed. Okay. And Brian Holdsworth, he was on my return to the sacred series. I said everyone in that series, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have higher than a 1.5, right? The highest one I have on a show was Michael Hitchborn, right? Um, I have him maybe at 1.5, you know, maybe two. But no, Brian Holdsworth, he, he's, I, I, no, I don't think he's a, a plant. At all, there's nothing there that indicates to me that he is. So I'm going to have him under a two. So Father Charles Murray, let me sure I have all my equipment here, so I can emphasize for you why I have Father Charles Murray. Grade is so high. I have him at a three on my scale. It's very likely that he is a plant. Again, I may not be a hundred percent right about everyone. But I'm not 100% wrong about everyone either, right? But on my scale, based on my criteria, I have them graded really high, and this is why. And, you know, by the way, I have an interview with Father Charles Murray here on my channel. One of my favorite interviews. 
I think he has a phenomenal vacation story. And like I said about some of these plants, some of these people in these ops, they're, they they be decent people, good guys, uh, faithful Catholics, right? They just may be getting used by the double-headed eagle in an operation which contributes to the overall goal of weakening the Vatican. So some of my red flags that went off with Father Charles Murr, if you've been following along in this video, the previous video, and kind of what I've been saying for the last few years, Anytime someone is pointing to Freemasonry as being the biggest problem in the church, right? Bing, 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 bing. A, a huge red flag alarms. My, 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 my radar just goes off because I know Freemasonry has not been in the top 10 of the threats against the Catholic Church in over a century. Over a century. So when I see people saying, oh, there's Freemasons, the Freemason, the Freemason boogeyman. Whoa, this is a red flag for me. It's kind of like um, Bruce Willis in Lucky Number Seven. He's talking about the Kansas City Shuffle again, where he, they get you to look this way when you should have been looking this way all along. All right. Um, it's kind of like when the whole Black Lives Matter riots were going on, they kept wanting us to focus on, like, you know, these other issues, right? These ancillary issues that, that were. Um, not even close to what we should have been focusing on. The question was, who put the bricks in the middle of the city? Where did that pile of bricks come from? Right? How, how did these people have a pile of bricks? And, and who put them there? Why didn't a Planned Parenthood burn down? Why, if all In all the cities, they, they were rioting and throwing bricks. Where did the bricks come from? And why was not one Planned Parenthood burned down? In all these neighborhoods, they were setting on fire. There was a Planned Parenthood. So there was just some questions that, uh, that, that we weren't supposed to just look this way, people, just once. And look at the facts of the case. Um, but no, we weren't allowed to do that. We had to look over here. This is what Bruce Willis and Lucky Number 7 called the Kansas City Shuffle. Right? And that's the case with Freemasonry. Now, um, you know, we're, we're talking about some of the biggest issues in the church, the, the Skittles. This stuff has been in, in synodal documents. There's not been one synodal document when, where someone said, the Pope said, hey, we should really talk about bringing Freemasons to the Catholic Church. No, it was all about the Skittles. Let's, let's make the tent bigger um, for them. Let's reach out to them. Okay, that's, that's uh, or, or, or the people who... The Pope is meeting with BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, uh, China, okay? All, all these evil forces that that we know are operating within a Catholic Church are, are bigger bigger issues than, than the Freemasons. The Freemasons did their damage, like I talked about with, with um, um, separation of church and state and everything that came with it. They, they did their damage and it can't be undone, right? But that's not the biggest issue that's going on in the church today. So anytime someone's pointing that way, bing, 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 Kansas City shelf for me. So that, that's a huge red flag. And some people, I know this person, one of the hounds of heaven, one of our friends in a comment box had talked about, well, David, what about the Marxists? You know, it has to be Freemasons because Freemasonry and Marxism. Two, no, 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 it's... When Marxists and communists come online, Freemasons are the ones in power. So they've always been just natural enemies to one another. Marxists and communists have always been the predators of Freemasons, the prey. They've done <laughs> evil things to them, 
burnt them, kicked them out of countries, put them in prison. They've always been natural enemies. The only place they've ever gotten along was Cuba. Because there they had an alliance because the Catholic Church, they were to get together against the Catholic Church. But no, it's no, it's these, these Marxists and Freemasons. Here, some people, <laughs> there's one Catholic guy, I don't know who it is. He talks about, I think it's Timothy Gore, he talk, talks about Marxist Freemasonry. <laughs> These people, they'll they'll put any two words together, like Freemasonic, and just come up with stuff. No, two completely different things. Freemasons are very family-oriented, by the way. This is why you have so many youth groups within the Freemasons. You have the Demolade, the Order of Pythagoras, and Girls' Assembly, Job's Daughters, Rainbow Girls. Then you have the Order, the Women Organization, Order um, Associations for, for the Wives. You had the Eastern Star, the Amaranth, the Golden Circle. You have all these different things for the family. The Freemasons have always been about the family. Leo the Thirteenth talks about this. They said he wants to bring the whole family. They want to bring the whole family in. And this is why Freemasonry has always made it about the family. It's a family affair. It's a different type of family than what, what we Catholics believe in. It's not even the type of family you want your family associated with. But it's all about the family for them. You, you'll hardly ever see a grandmaster or a high-ranking Masonic official who's, who does not have a wife and a family. They're all about the family. Marxists, on the other hand, are anti-family. They're out for the destruction of the nuclear family. Um, because they they want the they they want the village to raise a child. They want your child to belong to the state. So these are two um different ideas. That they may be two heads of the eagle. They they could be. Um, I'm not denying that, but to say that one comes from the other, is 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 quite silly. Okay. Um. So that's the first red flag. Father Murr is always pointing. To the Freemasons, not so much in his book, the thirty-three degrees thing. I thought I thought that was a decent memoir, but in in his interviews, um, he says the weirdest things about Freemasonry, uh, things that are, are typically not true, and um, it's always pointing a finger at right, the Kansas City sh Shuffle. So that's the first red flag. The second red flag with Father Charles Murr is that he seems to come out of nowhere. At least for me, right? I had never heard of him before. This book, 33 Degrees um, of, of Murder or something like that. I, um, so you may have. Um, let me know if you have. I hadn't. So for me, he seems to come out of nowhere. And, and again, that's one of those, my criteria, right? Is he organic? Had we always known him? Had he always been around? Had he always been doing this thing? Or does he appear out of nowhere doing this thing, right? With, with money backing him. Um, it seems to be like... Kind of like, um, I can name a lot of people, right? They just, poof, like, poof, out of nowhere. And now they're in our lives, right? Where did they come from? Who's backing them? We have some questions. So that's, you know, in and of itself, it's not a thing. But all these indicators, these, these points, that the, the, the criteria, these red flags, um, the more of them you have, well, the higher score that I'm going to give you. And the third one that, is is a really red flag for me <clears throat> that that makes me really say likely is the point about his clerics. Right, he wears in all the interviews. Any interview he did with me at, at the time, I didn't know about this, but he had been forbidden from the Archdiocese of New York. I think in the early two thousands from wearing his clerics. He's forbidden. He's not allowed to wear them. Yet he wears them. 
From his perspective, I understand that he thinks that the ruling or the decision was unjust and that he has some sort of right to do what he's been forbidden to do. All right. That's not that's his call, not mine. Only thing I know is that the he said he cannot be yet he does. So to me, that's one of those things that is like a meme to me. Someone who is presenting himself as something that he is not. So that we may think that they're more credible. Okay. It's sort of like, you know, these trads always wanting to smoke cigars and twist their mustache and all this stuff. That's, that's a meme to me. That's not even real. Sitting around smoking cigars, talking trad stuff. That's, that's like a joke. It's not even real. It's a meme. Um, but that's, that's supposed to convey the image. Oh, I'm a traditional person. I have traditional values because I'm smoking a cigar and twisting my mustache. That that's that's not even real. And Father Charles Murray wearing clerics is not real because he's forbidden to wear them. He can't go to New York. Our eyes is New York and wear those clerics and, and and present himself to the bishop there. No, he's he's forbidden. So it's not it's not real. Okay. So those three red flags, the Kansas City Shuffle pointing to Freemasonry. Two, um, seems to poof, come out of nowhere. And three, he's wearing his clerics. So for that reason, I have him at very likely. Very likely. Um, you know, in this criteria, I think I said, you know, one, two, three. I think in the last video I said one, three, five, you know, but it's the same point. Um, very likely, is, um, unlikely, likely, very likely is the scale. I have him at very likely for these reasons. Could be completely wrong, but the red flags are the red flags. The guys on RT have run down to Mike Parrott, you know, those whole things. I think if Mike Parrott was an op, his life wouldn't turned out. I think he would have been more protected from what Church Militant did from him, right? Signs that you're in a CIA plant and op, again, it's something I know from experience. It's someone who's being groomed. It's someone who... You know, had you know some grooming, some plant um, interest. Um, I, I, there, I, I think I was very protected at some times in my life, and, um, and I took advantage of that. And you know, I ran out of gas, right? Um, but even after that, you know, I found myself to be up until a point pretty protected. Right? Things kind of worked out how they shouldn't have worked out. So I don't know. Um, I could be a plant, <laughs> honestly, you know, but you know, I'm just kidding. I, I, don't, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see how, um, I, I could, things that I do contribute to the mission of the whole. But, uh, yeah, I, I think if, if my parrot was a plant, uh, I don't think that would have turned out that way. So I'm going to put it in really low, but that's in the show. Got to get it here. Appreciate the time. And I will see you next time. Remember, Jesus loves you and is there for you. Nothing I've said in these videos about CIA plans affects anything about your salvation or your call to be holy. This is just information for you to know. The fact that it matters that Operation Mockingbird is real. That the CIA, the Secret Service, have, have never stopped trying to influence us through programming, television programming or social media. It's ignorant and stupid to think. That somehow they're all up and down media and social media, but somehow they left Catholic social media. Um, they say, oh, we're not going to go there. That That's dumb and that's stupid to think. They're in Catholic social media. 
it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of who. I'm not saying that the people I mentioned are. I'm not 100% on everyone, but I'm not 100% wrong about everything. So we, the, so there are operations that get us to question, to doubt our faith. All right. But for you, so your job is to continue to be holy, live the Beatitudes, live a liturgical life. This is for informational purposes for you to know that the devil is parting around like a lion looking for someone to devour. Don't let it be you. God bless.